Good morning, everyone. Today's reading is taken from Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 15, where Jesus is explaining how we should pray. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to be standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Well, thank you, Gary, for reading for us there. Good morning, everybody. My name is Adam. Uh, I'm the vicar of this church. Let me add my own welcome to you, wherever you're joining us from, whether it's in Zoom or whether you're on Facebook or YouTube or watching us later, you're very welcome with us indeed. Firstly, let me apologize to you. Often when we preach, we uh, look at a passage in its in the whole, and it's whole, and perhaps exegetically go through each of the verses to consider uh, each of them and how they relate to one another. Today, I'm just going to be focusing on one verse, Matthew 6, verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the verse that we have for the year. So we're going to be thinking particularly just about that verse today. Perhaps later in the year, we'll have a chance to look at the passage as a whole as well. Before we do that, let me pray for us. Gracious Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that it speaks to us in so many different ways and in so many different seasons of life. As we come before your word together this morning, would you draw near to us through it? Would you speak to us through it? And Lord, as I speak these words, would they be faithful to your written word? And would they lead us to your living word, Jesus Christ, our Lord? Amen. Amen. Uh, the number one question that I've been asked since I arrived over the last six months or so, uh, since I've known about St. Jude's, is what is my vision for this church? In fact, uh, in July last year, it was asked of me at the interview as well. And you'll know if you've heard me speak before uh, that I believe the Lord has placed on our hearts or on my heart that St. Jude's is to be the heart of South Sea. Not just to be in the heart of South Sea, but to be the heart of South Sea. 
And over the next uh, year, uh, the PCC and I will be leading us as a church family to fully understand exactly what it is that the Lord means by that. What is God's vision for St. Jude's? I've written to you, in fact, you'll get that a little bit later this afternoon, and it will share some of the ways that I hope you will all be involved in discerning from God what his vision is for our church. But the vision, whatever it ends up looking like, is about how St. Jude's as a community relates to the world around it. If the last year or so has taught us anything, it's that St. Jude's is made up not necessarily of this building, but of its many members. All of you at home, all of you in the building with me as well, all of us together are St. Jude's. In order to know and to fully understand what God's vision is for us as a church, I think we need to fully understand God's vision for us as individuals. And I believe that's why the Lord has placed on my heart this verse for us for the year. That we, both as a community, but perhaps more importantly as individuals, would know and understand God's will for us. And know his kingdom rule and his reign in our lives. I'm going to think about them in the reverse order to how they appear in our verse for the year. And we say these words every week when we say the Lord's Prayer, perhaps even every day. We say, your will be done. But what do we mean by this? I believe Christianity at its heart is not a religion. It's a relationship. The Trinity is fairly impossible to understand most of the time, but at its very heart is a relationship. The very heart of who God is, is relationship. Prayer is clearly the foundation of our relationship with God. It's the way that we converse with God. But just like any relationship, that conversation is not meant to be one-sided. Conversation is the lifeblood of it. Like any relationship, as I say, I'm married to Jess, as you know. Uh, I wear a wedding ring, that proves it. I could show you a wedding certificate, that proves it as well. But if I never had a conversation with Jess, well, probably for the first hour, she'd be quite glad of that, of the peace. But after a while, she would, uh, that relationship wouldn't really have much of a basis, would it? Our relationship with God is much the same. It's meant to be a conversation that we have with him. It's never meant to be one-sided. And so hearing God speak to us then should be our expectation and not our exception. Hearing God speak should be our expectation and not our exception. Jesus modeled for us the perfect relationship that he had with God. He heard God speak regularly. He would often go, as it says in scriptures, to the lonely places to be with him. Jesus says in John 14, Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father. You'll know famously in the letter to the Corinthians, Paul says, eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Why especially prophecy? Because it's through this relationship, this hearing from God and from speaking to God, that the foundation of all of the rest of what we do is done. Jesus himself again says in John chapter 10, my sheep hear my voice, I know them and they follow me. The only qualification we need then in order to hear God speak to us is to be his sheep, to be his followers. 
And there are lots of ways in which God speaks to us. And in fact, I'll be running a session at the end of January called Hearing God's Voice, where we'll think about some of the theology and some of the more practical ways in which God can speak to us. Details of that will be in the letter later today. But God first and foremost and most commonly speaks through this, his word. Uh, I don't know whether you do as well, but for the last few years, I've been doing the Bible in a Year series. Each day, I read a bit of the Bible, and I ask the Lord to speak to me through it. Uh, as you know, my interview was just over six months ago in July last year, over two days. The first day was a day where I spent meeting all of the team here, meeting some of the PCC, getting to know the place, understanding a little bit about it. And the second day was the formal interviews. The Bible in the reading for the first day of interviews was Romans 12. Romans 12, for those of you who know it, talks about all of the different gifts that God gives to his people, how they interwork together, how he has placed people to work together for the body of Christ. As I went into the day, the Lord spoke to me so clearly through those verses and the place that he had created for me in this church. The next day, uh, I was obviously in Romans 13. Of course, it was the interviews, formal interviews. Romans 13 begins by talking about submitting to God and godly and governing authorities. Submitting to godly and governing authorities. I knew full well that I felt called to this place, but I knew as I went into those interviews, I needed to submit myself to those who had responsibility for it. The Lord spoke to me a number of times, uh, has spoken to me a number of times through verses of scripture each and every morning as I read it. To be able to hear his voice, we need to be able to recognize it. And I've got a little quiz for you. Uh, You can do it in the building as well as the three or four of us that are here, but one for you at home. We're going to play three audio clips and I want you to see whether you can guess who they are. So let's have the first one. The teachings of Christ have served as my inner light as has the sense of purpose we can find in coming together to worship. So who is that? Somebody here help tell me? It is the Queen. Exactly right. There we go. Let's have the second one. When we were out of the first lockdown, the last lockdown, um, I was here working in the office, and I had a sudden urge to go and buy some donuts. It was. People are pointing at Neil. It was indeed Neil, if you got that at home. Well done. Uh, I didn't ask Neil for permission to use that, but I'm sure he won't mind. Uh, Let's go with the third one. I wanted to talk to you this morning about what Jesus says about building his kingdom. Anybody here know who that is? No. I'll let him know you think it was Simon Ponsonby. He'll be delighted. I'm hoping that nobody knows who that is, uh, because otherwise you'll slightly ruin the illustration. Uh, That is my friend Andy. He's a vicar in London. You knew who the Queen was. You knew who Neil was, because you're used to hearing their voices. You didn't know or recognize Andy, because you've not spent time listening to him. If we don't spend time in this, reading his word, hearing hearing him speak as he has done so many times to his people, we won't first and foremost be able to recognize his voice when he speaks to us. But when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we don't just pray that second part, your will be done. We also pray your kingdom come beforehand. And I wonder how many of us have ever stopped to wonder what we mean when we say your kingdom come. Come. 
The meaning in the Greek carried by that word kingdom uh, is not as we might expect. It's not talking about like the United Kingdom, an area of geography, for example. It's talking about the rule and reign of God. This means that the prayer, your kingdom come, is a prayer that we can use in any situation. So if somebody comes and says, I've got a broken foot, would you pray for me? I can pray, Lord, your kingdom come on this foot. What I'm not saying is, Lord, will you send down a hev- the heavenly city, maybe a few harps and a, and a couple of angels as well? I'm not sure that sending down a heavenly city on a foot will do a great deal of good for it. Now I'm praying, Lord, will you rule and reign? Will you have your rule and reign? Will you be sovereign over it? Now, the term kingdom of God doesn't actually appear in the Old Testament at all, but the long-awaited kingship of God was the hope and the theme of the prophets. God was the king already, but the prophets and uh, they spoke of a time when the Lord would become king in a greater sense. This perhaps explains for us uh, the now and the not yet of the kingdom of God. The now, God is the king and the not yet. God will become king in a greater sense. Now last week together we celebrated Epiphany. uh, And we remembered the story of the wise men. And Neil rightly uh, extolled us to think about how God guides us and to follow that guidance. But here's the thing. Those magi got to Herod before they got to Jesus. They didn't stop at the first king that they found. They kept going to the king of kings. The world that we live in today offers us so many kings and kingdoms. Just this week, we've seen the effect of following one of those, perhaps, uh, as this political situation in America has unfolded. I wonder today whose kingdoms or which kings you're in danger of placing before God. We're all, I expect, in this pandemic, placing some hope in this vaccine to get us into life as normal again. But is science becoming more of a king to us than God? If not, what about money? What about our job or even our relationships? Jesus has some words for us in Matthew 6 when talking specifically about money. He says this, No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. We can think about this in terms of money, but in terms of so many other aspects of life as well. We need to place king, Jesus as king over all things in our lives. And we need to trust in God and his kingdom rule, not to put our hope or trust in other things. As you know, I felt very strongly called to be the vicar of this church and applied the first time around back in uh, in December, January, whenever it was, early last year. Uh, And despite the best efforts of our wardens, I wasn't shortlisted the first time around. And in late February, when I had just heard that I hadn't been shortlisted, I sat uh, and prayed to God. It would have been very easy at that point to have put an awful lot of trust in myself, in my own abilities perhaps, to put trust in the words of other people. But I prayed and I said, Lord, please will you tell me where you want me to be vicar? It's written in this journal, in fact. 
Lord, will you tell me where you want me to be vicar? And he said, I have. And I thought, okay, that's a bit strange given that they've not shortlisted me, if that's where you're thinking. So I said, Lord, will you make it happen? And he said, I will. And I went, okay, then will you give me the confidence and trust that I need to follow you in your kingdom? And he said, that bit's on you, Adam. We need, regardless of what happens in our lives, to always place our eyes on God, his will for us, and his kingdom. To know his will. You may know of John Wimber. Yeah, he's a pastor, an evangelist, and had a humongous healing ministry. He saw many thousands of people healed through his healing ministry. And yet he prayed for over 100 people to be healed before he saw the first one healed. This call of Jesus in these verses is a call into relationship with him and into discipleship of him. If we've allowed ourselves to trust another king or another kingdom more, it's a call into repentance, which literally means to turn from one direction to another, to turn our eyes once again to the Lord. As we as a church seek his will for us, I believe the Lord is calling each and every one of us once again to turn our eyes to him, to see him, to know him, to seek his will, to trust his kingdom, and to see his kingdom working in us and through us. I'm sorry to say, this will probably take some effort. All of us are in relationships of some sort, whether it's with a husband or wife, a brother or sister, a mother, father, son, daughter, or friend. All of those relationships take effort, some more than others on occasion. As we start this new year together, I'm praying that we will keep in sight God's will for us and continue to be praying for God's kingdom work amongst us. I'm going to begin that time of prayer by praying for us in a moment. Before I do that, I'd love to share with you some words from D.A. Carson which I hope will inspire us. People do not drift towards holiness. Apart from grace-driven effort, people do not gravitate towards godliness, prayer, obedience to scripture, faith, and delight in the Lord. We drift towards compromise and call it tolerance. We drift towards disobedience and call it freedom. We drift towards superstition and call it faith. We cherish the indiscipline of lost self-control and call it relaxation. We slouch towards prayerlessness and delude ourselves into thinking that we've escaped legalism. We slide towards godlessness and convince ourselves that we have been liberated. As the band come back, let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you so much that you sent your son for us. We thank you that through him, we can have a relationship with you. Lord, once again this morning, we place you as king of kings and lord of lords over all things. Just in a moment of silence, if you know of something that you are in danger of looking to ahead of Jesus... 
offer those back to the Lord and do that repenting work, that turning your eyes back to him. Lord, we thank you that you long for us to know your will, to hear you speak into our lives, and to see your kingdom at work amongst us. Would you daily be drawing us to your word, helping us to hear your voice through it? Would you daily be reminding us of your will your purpose in our lives, both as individuals and as a community. And would you daily give us signs of your kingdom work amongst us? Yours, Lord, is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Lord, would you draw near and work through us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing our final song together. It's a new song, and it's taken from those words of the Lord's Prayer. So let's sing together. Thank you.